Church, I hope that you are ready for what God wants to say to you. I'm reminded every Sunday morning as I'm there, right before I stand to be here, that I have nothing to share with you. I seek to just be a vessel, and uh, I don't claim anything special. I think it's a great joy to be able to do this, but I just want to remind you as we do this that God is seeking to speak to you this morning. He knows you, and he has something for you. So I pray that you're ready for that, that that's what you desire as well. I ask you to take your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 24, Exodus chapter 24, and when you get to Exodus chapter 24, you can put your finger on verse 1. I will be there in just a minute, and I'll direct you to a section of verses that we are going to cover this morning. This week, I've been a little bit reflective in some things. You see, yesterday, we got together as a family in Huntsville and celebrated the one-year, believe it or not, birthday of my granddaughter. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but I was thinking, it makes me think back to when we were becoming parents. A few of you know this, um, and I don't brag much about this, but I'm typically called the baby whisperer. You see, I can go back in the nursery, and if it comes to an unhappy baby in the office, or if we babysit a child and that child's not real happy at the moment, I can normally take an unhappy child and, and in just a few moments can make them happy or at least cause them to stop crying. Um, 30 years ago, Angela and I were preparing to become new parents, and we were seeking to be good parents, even while our son was still in the womb. Church, I'll let you know that we had First Baptist family. There's a seven-day-old baby in the room right now. Where's the seven-day-old baby in the room? Where are you? Someplace? They were here. Oh, hey, I see you. Thank you for saying I'm here. These bright lights right here separate me, but we have a seven-day-old in the room, and so God's just making this point to me anymore, but we were seeking to be good parents even while our first child was still in the womb. You see, we called him Caleb. You guys know that, but we called him Caleb just as soon as we knew that he was a he. I talked to him. Yes, while he was in the womb, I talked to him. I read books to him. The two of us with Caleb in womb, the three of us, we would sit on the couch in our house and we would read children's books to Caleb before he was born. On April 24th, 1992, Caleb was born and I was right there in the delivery room as Caleb was born. And the nurses took Caleb to cleaning up, and he was crying, as newborn babies tend to do. And I called his name a few times. And he recognized my voice because he stilled for just a second, as much as a newborn can. But I believe he knew my voice in that moment because he had been hearing my voice for months leading up to that moment. You see, it's important. It's amazing to me how in a world of voices, babies can recognize the voice 
of their father. And again, I say to you that God, your father, has something that he wants to say to you today. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to read two different places, both in chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to read verses 9 through 18. And if you're keeping up, we studied every verse in chapter 24 that we're not reading today. That was our passage for last week. So let's read Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now he, that would be God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Now move over to verse 9. It said, Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hands. So they saw God and they ate and they drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments, which I have written that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on the mountain, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the mountain and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. I'll also point out to you that there are note-taking sheets in the pews right there. If you desire to take some notes or hear something that God lays on your heart that you want to study and hear again. Now, verse 1 in chapter 24 says that God speaks to Moses, and he says, come up to me. Now, church, think about this for just a moment. The God of all power, the God of all knowledge, creator God, Jehovah God, a timeless God, the perfect, holy, and righteous God spoke to Moses. Now, I know that this is not the first time that God has spoken to Moses, but I was reading this, and I was reminded that God spoke to Moses. You know God wants to speak to his children? John chapter 8, verse 47, Jesus said, He who is of God hears God's words. Now, the people you were talking to, the rest of this verse goes on and says, therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Did you see that phrase? Here's God's words. God speaks to his children. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You know, God has been speaking to his people since the creation, 
In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, this is what we know happened there. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he, Adam, answered back, said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? You see, Adam and Eve had just taken mankind into the clutches of sin and had broken that close relationship that they had with God. But notice, even in their sin, even in their fear, even in their hiding, God, one, took the initiative to come to them. Two, God spoke to them. And they knew it was God. Church, that's important. When Noah... I mean, when God spoke to Noah, Noah knew it was God speaking to him. And Noah knew exactly what God was telling him to do. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham knew it was God speaking. And Abraham knew exactly what God was telling him to do. When Jesus, who is the Son of God, spoke to the disciples, the disciples knew it was God speaking. And they knew exactly what God was telling them to do. When Jesus spoke to Paul on the road to Damascus in that bright, light, life-changing moment that Paul had, Paul knew that it was God, and Paul knew exactly what God was telling him to do. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, Scripture says, God, who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets... He has in the last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. And scripture teaches us that through the Holy Spirit, God continues to speak to his people today. Did you notice that it says in various times, in various ways? Do you know that God does not always speak to us the same way? But he does speak to us. He speaks to you. And some of it might be going, well, I haven't heard him. I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe you just didn't like what he wanted to say. Or maybe you haven't heard him because you don't have that relationship with him. And that's why you don't know his voice. But God still speaks to his people today. Our critical requirement for understanding and experiencing God is clearly knowing when he is speaking. If a Christian does not know when God is speaking, he is in trouble at the very core of his Christian life. That's a statement that comes from experiencing God as a couple of statements. I was driven back to study that a little bit this week. Verse 9 goes on to say that Moses went up. Did you notice that God said, Moses, come up here Moses knew it was God, knew what he was supposed to do, and then Moses obeyed what God told him. Moses went up. From Acts to the present, God has been speaking to his people by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God always gives you enough specific directions for what he wants you to do in that moment? 
God doesn't ever just tell you what to do without giving you any guidance. He tells you exactly what he wants you to do. Now, so many times, he's not going to tell us the full story. He gives us what we need in order to get to the place that he wants us to be. And when we get to that place that he wants us to be, then he will speak to us and take us step by step by step exactly where he wants us to be. When you need more directions from God, he will give you those directions in his timing. Maybe you agree with me. God doesn't always work in my timing. I would love for God to do things differently at times than, than I, you know, than he does. I want him on my timetable, but God doesn't do things on my timetable. And I am so glad because his timetable is perfect and right. Church, can I remind you that God still speaks today? And he wants to speak to you. I mentioned I went back to my Experiencing God workbook. I've got four of them in my office. I've done it a few times. It's a really cool thing. And if you were part of the First Baptist Church family in 2016, you'll recall we all went through Experiencing God together. And it was a great time that we had. But check out this reminder that I pulled from Experiencing God this week. Truth is never discovered. Truth is is revealed. Think about that. Truth is never discovered. Truth is revealed. And you go, start breaking that down. Well, I don't understand that. Well, discovery is a personal action. It's something that we do, that we could take credit for. But revelation, being revealed, is an action that can only be completed by God. And so, God calls to Moses. Moses knew it was him, knew what God was telling him to do, and Moses obeyed that. And then when you get to verse 12, we see here, God says, speaking of revelation, he says, I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written. God wanted us to know him so thoroughly and so completely that not only has he told Moses the words, we talked about that, not only did he have Moses write it all down, we've talked about that, but God wrote it all down and said, Moses, I've got it ready. Come up and I'll give it to you. God's going to reveal himself to Moses, and by default, God is revealing himself to the people, and God wants to reveal himself to us even still. But look at what God says in verse 12. He says, I'll give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written. Verse 12 says that you may teach him, teach them. You know, when God reveals himself to us, he expects us to take the actions that he tells us to do. God's never going to reveal himself to you without it causing you to have to take a step toward him. That's why God wants us. That's why he speaks to us so that we can know him and be drawn closer to him. And do you know that you cannot know what God is preparing to do unless he tells you? John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So it's important 
that we must learn the voice of God. I told you we were at a birthday party um, last yesterday for our one-year-old, and we were not the only people in the room or in the yard because Laura's family was there, and so it was a big group and things like that. And, you know, most of the time when we see her, it's us and their family, and, you know, families do things in littler groups versus, but this is a big come-together group. And I was holding Addie, and I said, Addie, where's Grandma, which is Laura's mom? She goes, there, and points at Grandma. And I said, well, where's Micah, Uncle Micah, there? She's starting to recognize all of these people and know who they are. And, of course, where's Daddy? Where's Mommy? Where's Lolly, which you know by now is Angela? And then I said, oh, where's Pops? She was right here, and she just looked and stared me straight in the eye. <laughs> it's a sweet, sweet thing. But we must learn the voice of God. Do you know that when God speaks to you, when God reveals himself to you, when God tells you what he wants you to do, what you do immediately after that moment is very important. You see, Isaiah said, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Do you know that God desires to prepare and provide step-by-step directions for your life? And so when he says, I need you to go left, we need to go left. We don't need to wait. God says he'll tell us what he wants us to do as he wants us to do it. But you know, typically when God reveals himself, we want to, or maybe I'll personalize this because you're probably not this way. I want to debate. I want to think about it. I want to see if it lines up with my plans. But there's a warning there, church. Scripture teaches us in the book of Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Wow. That means that God chooses to speak to us. We know it's him. We know what he's saying. We know what he expects us to do. But if we do not listen to him in that immediate moment and do what he calls us to do, there could come a time in life, Scripture just said, that God will just stop speaking to us. Now, I did not take away, nor did Scripture, your relationship that you would have through Christ. But your fellowship will be hindered because you have not been listening and talking to God. Zechariah chapter 7 verse 13 says this, Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed, and they would not hear, so they called out, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. You know, one of the most miraculous things about the angel coming to speak to Mary in the gospel was that it broke a period of over 400 years of silence of God 
speaking to his people because they were not listening nor obeying God's word. Has God been speaking to you? Do you know it's him? Do you know what he's saying? Do you know what he expects you to do? Are you doing it? It's a very important, important thing. You see, when God speaks, he's preparing to reveal what he plans to do. God's revelations or his speaking to you are designed to bring you into a deeper and life-changing love relationship with him. You see, God speaks to you to increase your faith. God speaks to you to lead you into an action of seeking him. I, I do not know what God wants to do in and through your life. Now, I can read Scripture enough to know in a general way what God wants to do in and through your life, but I do not know what God wants to do in your life. I do not know what God wants to accomplish, but this I do know. God knows what he is saying to you. God knows what he wants to do in your life. God knows what he's calling you to do, what he's challenging you to do. God knows those things. I pray that you know that. You see, at times we begin to think that God speaking to us through his word, through his spirit, how he speaks to us is a one-way conversation. No, don't ever forget that God is in this conversation and he knows what he is saying and what he's calling you to do. I saw another reminder from my experience in God Notebook. What you plan to do for God is not important. Think about that. Let me read it again. What you plan to do for God is not important. And you're going, well, that just hurt my feelings. I got all kinds of things I want to do for God. You see, you have a choice to make. Because only one of the following two options is true. You can, A, allow God to reveal himself to you, to speak to you about what he is preparing to do, and then join him, or option B, you can choose to complete things you desire to do for God. If your plans and purposes are not God's will, you will not experience God working in and through your life. God's goal is to reveal himself to people, to draw them into a love relationship with him. Let me tell you something really cool, too, is when we allow God to speak to us and then drive us how we act, to follow his purposes and his ways, Scripture teaches that people will come to know Now, there's a question that's at least in one mind, if not many in this room. How do I know for certain if God is really speaking to me? Because, see, at any one time in our lives, there are at minimum three different voices at play in our lives. There's the voice of God speaking and leading and guiding. There's the voice of our fleshly desires, what we want to do, what we think is important, and then there's the voice 
of the devil seeking to pull us away from God. John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. It's an interesting thing. Going back to this birthday party. Um, Micah knows this to be true, but Micah has not gone on all of the Addy days. In a year, Angela and I have gone 49 out of 52 Fridays for Addy Day. We've paid our dues. She knows who we are because we've spent time with her. But Uncle Micah hasn't spent that kind of time. So she's walking these first days, and we spent a lot of time. I would stand, and she would walk to somebody or walk to somebody else. And then somebody said, well, walk to Uncle Micah. And she'd just go limp-legged and fall to the ground. <laughs> I told Micah, I said, man, you got to pay your dues. You spend more time, and she'll start walking to you as well. Church, that's the truth. That's what Scripture's saying right here. That when we are led out into this world, we are going to follow the voice that we are the most comfortable with. And Scripture says that we hope that that is Jesus in our lives. But if it's the world that drives you, you won't hear Jesus. You'll hear the voice of the world. Sometimes we don't hear God speaking because we have tuned in a different voice in our lives. If you want to know the will and the voice of God, you must devote time and effort to cultivate a love relationship with Him. It does this grandfather's heart good when I say, where's Pops? And Addie goes, right there, and she's pointing right at me. It's a big deal. But it doesn't come naturally. It's something that has to be worked invested in. See, Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We grow in our spiritual awareness of who God is as we spend time with Him. It's through this daily practice that we are able to discern whether what we hear is of God, of our own flesh and desire, or of the devil. Now, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you at least six basic filters to help us validate and know it is God leading us. Because, see, we have a lot of voices that can speak in our lives if we're not careful. Now, these aren't going to be long, preachy things. These are going to be six quick things. And some of you just started listening to me better right then. Number one, to help us validate, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will echo God's purpose and plan in your life. Number two, whatever that is of God, it will align with Scripture. It will, church. 
God will never lead you to do something that is not in line with Scripture. God will often lead you to do things that are absolutely in line with Scripture. And so if what you feel led to do does not align with Scripture, it is not God that is leading you to do it, and you should not do it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It will align with Scripture, which means you need to invest time to know Scripture. The third thing that will help us validate and know that it's God speaking in our lives, the Spirit will say it, the Word of God will affirm it. Number three, you'll get godly counsel from other people. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, you need to be careful who your counselors are. You need to make sure that the counselors, those people that you turn to to get input in your life, you need to make sure that they're people that are seeking and hearing the words of God as well. Number four, other believers will provide confirmation. Matthew chapter 18, verse 16 says, But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Multiple witnesses. Circumstances and timing. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 3 says this, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And he came to them, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. You know what I see there? God brought Paul into this area, brought Aquila into this area. They had a common bond of what they did for a living. They had a common bond of who they lived their lives for, and God joined them together. And the sixth thing, you'll get the peace of God. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. You see, I believe the Scripture teaches that many times the Lord will confirm His direction to us through three or four of these ways, especially when you're in the process of making a, an important, life-changing decision. So in Exodus 24, to get back to that for just a moment, Verse 15 says that Moses went up, left the 70 elders and the other guys there and took Joshua with him. Verse 16, after being up to the first step, God called to Moses from the cloud. And Moses went up. And everyone, it says, from the ground up saw the glory of the Lord. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud. Did you notice the progression? God called, Moses heard, Moses responded. God called again, Moses heard and responded. Moses was drawn closer to God through these repetitive requests of obedience, and God drew Moses closer and closer and revealed himself more and more. And did you notice, I like what it said here, it said that all the people could see that the glory of God had fallen on the mountain. When God speaks, he desires to do something that other people will be impacted by. 
So now we get to the invitation. You see, John chapter 8, verse 47, I read at the beginning, says, he who is of God hears God's words. But Jesus went on to say, therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. I've said it this morning in Sunday school. You know, it's not my responsibility nor call to try to shake your faith or try to take something that you claim. But I believe that the Word of God calls us all to allow the Spirit of God to inspect our hearts to make sure that what we have done is according to God, that is true and validated by the way our lives have been changed by the Spirit of God. Amen? And it's in this moment that sometimes we go, but I don't hear God speak to me. Well, perhaps you don't hear God speak to you because you've not yet entered into that relationship through Christ. That is that doorway of God speaking to you. Church, God wants to speak to his people. God wants to speak to you. And God will tell you what he's preparing to do. And then you must determine what you're going to do with that information. God has promised that as you sincerely seek him, that you will know his voice. And God will likely start by asking you to be faithful in what might seem to be small things. And then you will see him do exactly what he says as you follow obediently in these small things. Your faith will increase. You will hear God more and more clearly. And then God will ask you to do things that would be bigger. My question to you this morning is, what is God saying to you? What's he calling you to do? What's he calling you to not do? Do you hear his voice calling you at all?